You're listening to Your Rivers Are Wrong, the podcast. My name is Merle. I'm here with my good friend Dante, and we're here to build worlds and tell their stories. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Good morning, or afternoon, or evening, wherever you may be. Welcome back to a very special episode of the Your Rivers Are Wrong podcast. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Dante. And today we have something very, very special. Um, if you've seen the previous announcement, Marilyn and I are taking a little bit of a break before we jump back into season two. But today we have a very special guest filling in for her in the meanwhile. I don't know how to intro this. I've never had a guest on this show before. So you, my friend, are very much the blueprint. Um, ladies and gentlemen, please uh, welcome Josh to the podcast. Could you please introduce yourself, my friend? Hello. Uh, I'm Josh. Pause for applause. I'm a very special guest after all. Um, <laughs> I, I will I, make room for the applause. <laughs> when, so I, I got to tell you, I was listening to a couple episodes prior to being mm -hmm. on, you know, mm -hmm. that, just so I could get a feel for like the vibe and everything. And um, when you put out the announcement and like hyped up, you know, we have a very special guest coming for a very special episode. I went from like, oh, I'm going to have a nice chat with my friend Dante for like an hour to like, oh, it's like a whole thing. Oh, no. Well, well it's only a whole thing because you're literally the first <laughs> ever guest. We just started this like right before Christmas. So this podcast is very new. And, you know, in the future, of course, if we do have like very special guests as special as you, then we want to introduce them properly. You know, I want to get that right. Like the first time around, I don't want people to like read, see this podcast and be like, oh, he doesn't care about the people invites on this. That's show. fair. That's fair. You know what? I it'll be like a retrospective very special. When the podcast blows up and it's like number one downloaded everywhere, it'll be very special mm, by virtue mm. of I was the first one. It'll be guest number one. Yeah. Uh yeah. So gosh, so this was a little bit interesting to set up because um for people who listen to this podcast, uh, and of course fans of Marilyn in particular, um, she's very busy. So I'm trying to fill in the blanks and I'm like, oh dang, there's so many creative things that like She's usually like really good at, and I have to figure, figure out like, okay, okay, I need someone I could talk to. I have friends, right? I have, I have people, I have people I know, right? Um, so I was bouncing around like, who am I going to contact? Something like that. So, um, very particularly, I reached out to you. I don't know if I like explained why I reached out to you in particular, but because of the first topic we're going to do, I consider you like very, very good at it, and. I don't know if we want to jump into the topic right away or is there anything else? I, actually, you know what? Let's go here. Obviously, um, it was just really funny. When I invited you on to, when I invited you to appear in this podcast, I don't think you've listened, you'd listened to it yet or anything like that. I don't even know if you had, if you know I had a podcast. Yeah, my, my reaction when you sent the message was like, oh, cool. Dante wants me to be on his podcast. That's awesome. I would love to do that. Also, he has a podcast, apparently. <laughs> so that's cool. Clearly, I'm not advertising well enough. I um, I feel like so you had mentioned it maybe once in passing or like you were planning on starting one or something, but it was one of those mm. like one off sentences in a conversation about something else. Got it. Um, Got it. Cool. It, it does occur to me. I never did actually like introduce myself, introduce myself. I just said, hi, I'm oh, Josh <laughs> and I'm nervous to be here. Um <laughs> So um, in, in a long, long listing of people we will eventually invite to this podcast, it'll just be number one, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, please feel free. Uh, hi, I'm Josh. I, uh, I play D&D &D on a server with Dante that he runs. Uh, mm. Apparently, I am the nation's premier character building expert, which is why I'm here today. <laughs> of course. Um, 
One of the best, one of the best. Which, you know, is going to be kind of a awkward take in 10 minutes when I just start describing how you just need to build, you know, champion fighters. But we'll get to that. And also... <laughs> Wait, we didn't even introduce the topic. Wait, you spoiled the topic. It's oh, fine. Oh, shoot, did it's I? Fine. We'll, we'll do it. It's good, it's good. We'll just go keep going with it. <laughs> Oops, I mean, uh, I don't, don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> this is a fantastic... We're, we're killing it. We we're really killing are. Merle, if you ever listen to this... Marilyn's gonna listen to this and be like, "Oh no, it's such a mess." Oh, this is great. Uh, okay, okay. Should I try it one more time without spoiling the topic? <laughs> no, this is great. I'm gonna keep all of this and I'm not gonna erasing it. Oh, it's gonna but be just great. not edited at all. Uh, yeah, I, I probably my chat will yell at me if I don't do this at least once. So I, sure. I play video games on twitch.tv slash moonroster. If you like video games, you should come watch. Awesome. Love that. Okay. So now um, I did, <laughs> it was one of the right things I did was I briefed you on how these podcasts usually go, um, but you have listened to a couple episodes. So you kind of get the gist. Uh, I'll introduce a topic, of course. And then if uh, you have a topic you want to introduce, we'll follow up with that. And then afterwards, there will be a prompt that we can handle together. Um, now, you did already kind of touch on it, but the topic that we have for today, which is very specifically what I really wanted to talk to you about, was character building in the field or in the perspective of playing Dungeons and Dragons, oh, yeah. which um, when we talk about character building, what, what the greater majority of the world thinks about character building, it's always in the context of different media like movies, TV shows different books of course but when you talk about character building in D&D it's not something that is immediately intuitive to people who learn about it for the first time mm -hmm. so i kind of want to uh toss this to you first what is character building in D&D what does that phrase mean so i've had some time to mull this over and i i think for me at least in D&D specifically or i guess any tabletop you know game uh like it Character building to me happens in kind of one of two different ways. You either have what some might argue to be too many hours in the system to the point where you have a, a thing that you really want to do mechanically in the game and you mm -hmm. refine that down to a science and then you kind of have the challenge of like, oh, uh, I have this character whose whole gimmick is, you know, that he has a big sword that he flies around on like a surfboard and he has a flute that can summon monkeys. How do I come up with a compelling <laughs> character to attach to that mess of a build mechanically? Or you sure. get the exact opposite thing where you're like, man, I had a weird dream about a great sword surfing monkey charmer. How do I make that in the game? Exactly. Right. So like D&D, &D, uh, for people who are still unfamiliar with the game, is uh, a tabletop role playing game where you sit down with one person as the game master or the storyteller and the other people are players. And the responsibility of the players is to invent a character that they will be playing in-game. Now, D&D is like an ongoing story, an ongoing improv sort of session where you take these characters that you've all made and walk into this adventure that the storyteller has crafted for you. And there's something very unique about it, which you, which you uh, touched upon, is that there are kind of two sides to a character. There's the story-centric character, like their backstory, their background, what they did, what they're going to do, what they want to do, uh, personalities, goals, and all that. And then there's like the mechanics of the character, which is like their stats, the weapons they use, the spells they have, um, the armor they wear. Like all of those are important details in the context of the game. 
and character building is that moment where you try to figure out how to fuse them. Does that is that does yeah. that kind of make sense? Yeah, I think that 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 tracks. And again, like from a broader storytelling perspective, I suppose, like if you're writing a book, character building probably means something very different to you. But mm-hmm. in yeah, in the lens of D and I feel like that's that is there. Yeah, and then coming up with you know what motivates them, what what drives them. It's in a way, your job as the player, you know, let's say you're a group of five players. The the goal of D&D, ultimately, in my opinion, is it's collaborative storytelling. Yeah. So you kind of end up in this weird situation where you have to come up with one of the five main characters of the story in a way that, like, you have motivations and, you know, you you have a drive that is compelling for everyone at the table without kind of turning any of the people there into the main character exactly uh, in other stories of course there is the concept of the main character the person that the entire world the entire story revolves around but that's not really a thing in DD. If, if there's not really a single main character it's more like a main entourage or a main party right mm-hmm. so if you like think about how characters are made in D&D and how characters are made in other forms of media why do you think certain D&D characters are written a certain way or are constructed a certain way and how would that differentiate from like the ways that characters are written in books and movies and all that like what is the different mindsets there i i mean if i had to think about it just kind of knee-jerk as you're asking the response i feel like it's that you kind of are your D character right like you know if, if i'm writing a writing a book and i you know have this idea for my character in the book even if it is an entourage where something traumatic happens specifically for that character you know you have to plan out why it's traumatic for that character what happened like you are kind of in charge of every detail where in a D game you kind of benefit from having less concrete character motivations and goals in the sense that if i make a DD character that this one particular group slighted this character and so he's motivated against that one particular group but then for whatever reason the adventure doesn't really interact with that group that's Mm -hmm. just kind of a dead plot point on that character whereas if i keep it more vague and i say you know oh this one particular group slighted my family and now i kind of have a bias against all groups like that or yes yes. you know in in the the moment of the session to session thing you don't know what's going to happen you can't plan for how your character is going to react if suddenly say the leader of that group does show up and maybe you know you've run into different uh, moments of character growth prior to that meeting that i've had plenty of characters across D campaigns where they're very specifically designed and like written around one event or one concept but then by the time they actually interact to it they have gone through enough growth that it doesn't matter to them anymore yeah like isn't that such an interesting thing where like say you're writing a, a story you're writing a book right and you invent this character And when you make the character, you kind of have to plan out their entire life, right? You you write their beginning, their middle, and their end, Uh, or at least you plan for it. And you and you're the only person, you're the only contributor to that story, right? So you know exactly how it's going to end up. You know exactly like what road they're going to travel down, what decisions they're going to make, and it's going to be set in stone once it's on paper, right? But like when you make a character to play Dungeons and Dragons, you're only writing the intro. Right? You're only writing the beginning and you're going to watch and play and see how that character develops into almost entirely 
well, very much partially or entirely out of your control, right? Right. Because you're not the person who dictates the story. It's somebody else. In the context of like when you write a book, you know, you plan and you write all the events that will happen to this character and how they react. But in something like D&D, which is a collaborative story, you only have the character to move forward and somebody else controls the events. And it's that dynamic, that interaction that is so makes it so much so interesting and so intriguing. And um, part of the fun in it is seeing what your character ends up as. Right. Mm-hmm. Like the people have these visions and it, sometimes it doesn't go that way. You know, Th- thinking about it, put that way, actually, character creation. A lot of people, I, I would assume myself included until like five minutes ago, until you kind of planted this thought. But <laughs> A lot of people think that once they are ready to go into their first session, they're done, like the character creation is complete. But in a sense, character creation isn't over until the epilogue ends. Of course. And that could be like months, years later, depending on how long the D&D game goes on for. Yeah. Right. And this is also what I wanted to bring up and why this topic is, you know, so near and dear to me. It's a fun process. Like it's distinctly... One of like top two favorite things I like about D&D is making its character building. It's it's creating who you're going to play as and watching them grow and change over time. It's like witnessing a person like grow up next to you within the context of the story that you're contributing to. Mm-hmm. Like, I just think that's so fun, right? One, well, it's so easy to really get into those characters. Like, what has always impressed me about D&D stories, and you can listen to anyone, not even just D&D, just tabletop RPG characters in general. When it's done right, and when people are telling the stories to friends who maybe, you know, weren't there for that campaign or for that game mm-hmm. or whatever, it's never, it's never, you know... Oh, you know, the barbarian leader showed up and Tyler's character lost it or, you know, Tyler decided to fight them. It's, you know, oh, the barbarian captain showed up and Gungar lost his shit. Like, you don't tell the story of your friend doing a thing in the game. You are just in there. Like, it's... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've mentioned it uh, with Merle on a previous episode where memories or things that happen in D&D, when played with enough intent or emotion can feel like very real memories. They can feel like very real events that happened to you to the point that these uh, moments are so visceral uh, and you can recall them as if you were there and you witnessed them. It's it's really a fantastic phenomenon that I continue to enjoy about the game. Yeah. So um, uh, why I, <laughs> I think this is, so this is why when I was thinking about this topic, why you came to mind in particular to talk about this, um, because um we've known each other actually for almost three years now i think uh i think it's yeah it's uh 2019 uh over uh you you arrived in the lindria server and we've been making characters ever since right Mm -hmm. and amongst everyone i'm I'm about to put shade on everybody in lindria but no but like indirectly indirectly of course course. only to only to compliment you it's just that i'm 11 out of 10 (laughs) of course and everybody else are perfect tense yeah um of everybody who plays on these servers I remember your characters more vividly than most people. Like I can probably name a great majority of the characters that you make because they're so like unusually vibrant and distinct. So I kind of want to poke your mind a little bit about what process do you step through when you are creating a character? Like what kind of um, goals or your checkpoints are you trying to fulfill as you're deciding on what to play next? So... I kind of touched on this before. Also, that was like very flattering. Thank you. No problem. I kind of touched on this earlier in that the way as I see it, 
And I'm sure there's any number of ways to make a character, but in, from my limited perspective, it's always either an idea for something mechanically that I think is interesting or an idea for something narratively that I think is interesting. And I think if I do have characters that stand out for a reason, it's because I, I have a tendency to very hyper-specifically focus on one thing. I, I come up with one ironclad rule for any character I make, mm. and... I don't make it like, you know, I hey, I'm the turtle guy and my whole thing forever <laughs> is turtles. But like, I guess to hone in on that idea, I try to think like, I want to make a dude whose whole thing is turtles, but is also a believable character. What kind of person's whole thing would be turtles? And maybe it is a person who commands wild magic. It's a sorcerer, we'll say, to just jump right into D&D. Maybe it's a wild magic sure. sorcerer, and maybe through some mishap or wild magic surge, they turned into a turtle for like five years. Oh, and shoot. that changed their perception of the world. And, you know, maybe they think and like act a little bit slower, but, you know, also came out of it with some wisdom or something. And I don't know, like if, again, stepping just into the character creation shoes, you would expect a turtle themed character to be kind of bigger and stockier. So maybe it's funnier if they're like a cat person or like a tabaxi, <laughs> literally <laughs> like a cat human who has this affinity for turtles for some reason. Yeah, that's so fun. Yeah, which is something that absolutely happens in D&D. It's like, what if the character that I'm making had the most ridiculous exper uh, past experiences that molded them into a person that is truly not only unusual, but like exceptional? Like, uh, it takes a very unique and specific set of past experiences to be create somebody like this, um, which is certainly part of the process. Um, I know when stepping into like character building, especially when you kind of just start playing D&D, a lot of people make something that they're comfortable with. You know, they play like a human fighter or they play like if they're, you know, feeling adventurous, they play like an elven archer, like something a little bit more foreign to them. But maybe, I, I don't know if you probably feel the same way I do. The more I play, the more ridiculous my characters get, like the farther oh, and yeah. farther away from the norm. Um, I like to explore because I'm like, hey, I've never been like a, like a lizard folk or a, or a demon child or, you know, this flying creature. All that stuff is just a fun place to explore. I, I think I kind of have a reputation on the servers we play on for being the guy that makes like monstrous characters, <laughs> you know, bugbears <laughs> yeah. and orcs and kobolds and all that. And it's not because I have any particular affinity towards the monstrous races. <laughs> it's just because like, who wants to make a dwarf when you've been doing it this long? Yeah, exactly. Um, I will say this, though, and I am, like, actually legally obligated to divulge this, which is that the one kind of core exception to that rule is I am the guy who plays Champion Fighter. Somewhere <laughs> along the line, it became my whole identity. For those who are unfamiliar with D&D, imagine a fantasy story where everyone has this cool magic or holy power or destiny or all that, and then there's the obligatory kind of gruff older dude with, like, a big sword, and that's his whole thing. That is a champion fighter. Yes, exactly. Just the run-of-the-mill trusty guy. You know, old reliable, swings once, swings twice maybe, maybe more times. Yep. But like that's the extent of his, um, <laughs> his hi, prowess. Hi, my name's Chuck. I got a hammer, and that's about it. Yeah, and, and what's great about character building is that you're allowed to chase your happiness, right? Like if that's truly, if you've gone around a block and tested all these characters and all these classes and all these magical powers and you settle on something that you just really enjoy that's perfectly fine that's exact that's exactly what D, D is for to kind of 
find something that brings you this happiness that you want to explore and expand on and tell stories with, right? Like as varied as your characters get, there's always one or two or three things that you kind of lean on as a point of comfort, a point of relatability, and something that you want to continue to explore, maybe not only like in the fantasy world, but like in your own life, you know, someone who's more adventurous or more cunning or strategic or someone who breaks out of their shell. D&D characters are very like real emotional tenets. If you start digging really deep into them and playing into these characters that you kind of build from scratch and lovingly make is a very, very fun experience is what I have to say on it. Another thing I do just love about Mm -hmm. character creation is, and you know, this is a advice for those starting out in in D and D and tabletop. If you make a character and you love that character, and you get into the sessions and you realize, like, oh, this character does not actually fit what we're doing at all, even a little. Mm -hmm. A a good example of this, I I recently made a character whose whole deal was that he was, like, this very pacifistic, like, he he was a wizard, so, like, in archetypical D&D, he would command these, you know, big spells and fireballs and be, like, a force of nature and destruction on the world. Mm -hmm. But he didn't want that. He just wanted to open a coffee shop and (laughs) read books. As he deserves, as he deserves, yeah. And I fell in love with this character, and I, of course, knew this going into the campaign. I just, I guess, didn't appreciate the extent of it, but the basis of that campaign was that we were soldiers who were being conscripted into a war, and it wasn't really (laughs) fun to play the pacifist character when literally every action we did was go fight people. Yeah, that's valid. Uh, Which is is no fault to the person running it. It it was on me for, I think, kind of misreading the homework. But to circle back to the point, the beauty of it is that that character is still made. I still have that character. Mm-hmm. I can at any point down the road, if I have that particular itch I want to scratch again, just toss him into a different campaign and see if yeah. he's there. Save him for a rainy day, another place, another time where he might fit better. Of course. Yeah. And, and as we I kind of want to start to close this topic, uh, what really is the, the final beautiful point about character building? And I'm sure, I'm sure there's many other. This is something that I really like is that once you make your character, you get to see how it interacts with everybody else's. Because you've worked minutes, hours on making this character exactly as you'd like them. And then there's two or three more of these characters that join you, crafted by like the friends you're playing with. And then seeing like just kind of bundles of (laughs) bundles of joy, bundles of love made by each person start intertwining their stories and talking and making decisions together. Like just watching that whole dynamic play out and watching like what everybody jives with or hits beats with oh gosh it's such an experience well and to that end how parts of your character you would have never even thought to consider are suddenly so relevant because they're relevant to other people in the party Mm -hmm. i'm running a game right now where someone decided to make a character who was a rat person obsessed with cheese because why not we'd (laughs) like to have fun here but it did sort of necessitate from the beginning in session one that everyone in the party kind of had to figure out where they stand on cheese (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's like um, everybody has their values, their ideals, what they want to accomplish. And finding that harmony between the characters or lack thereof is something that has to be hashed out and discussed and explored. Gosh, mm-hmm. it's such a fun thing. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, yeah. this is definitely a topic that we can honestly continue talking about forever because we, we've both oh, yeah. spent hours and hours and hours crafting many, many characters over the years, you know? Joke's on the audience. They think this is the first time we've had this conversation. <laughs> no, no, no. We've, we, this has definitely come before with larger groups of people. Like, this is a, a truly um, 
universal thing uh, amongst our amongst our little group of friends. But yeah, uh, so that's uh, the topic that I wanted to discuss with you. And I'm very thankful that you were able to share your insights on that. So yeah. for now, uh, we can jump into uh, whatever topic you want to talk about, which is awesome. Yeah. Oh, was I supposed to bring a... Oh, no. Oh, uh-oh. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I... I, I had to think a lot about this because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I didn't quite have time to listen to every episode, but I had time to read the titles. And <laughs> y'all have covered a pretty wide swath already. And it's only season one. Yeah, we're working on it. Exactly. So I thought I would get in while I had the chance with a, a topic kind of near and dear to my heart narratively. I, I talked before about how I like to play the, you know, old guy but not too old that's been here for a while that you know he's just the dude with the sword kind of the old mentor character and Mm -hmm. a trope associated with that that i really enjoy when it happens narratively that i wanted to talk about is the heroic sacrifice Ooh, okay 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 yeah sure yeah whether it's done well and it's you know i had a whole list pulled up (laughs) of of heroic sacrifices in all right, we're going to get a little marvely because that's what the internet likes. But Of course, of course. Uh, Yondu from Guardians of the Galaxy 2, done super well. Huge character-defining moment for Star-Lord in the movie when spoilers for Guardians of the Galaxy yeah, 2. Yeah, we should actually, like, like, let's preface. There's probably going to be a couple of spoilers here if we're talking about noble sacrifices. Um, if you're not yeah. interested in hearing these spoilers, you could skip like 10 minutes. I'm sure we'll be done talking about it. Yeah, <laughs> we can't even really preface the shows or or books or whatever that are going to be spoiled because like, given the nature of the topic, you can kind of <laughs> connect some dots probably. Of course, but, of uh, course. Yeah, sure. But, you know, how that for Peter Quill was like a very character defining pivotal moment for him mm-hmm. where he kind of had to stop being the impulsive brash character that he was and sort of for as well as it stuck become kind of a more mature nuanced character to again marvel uh tony stark at the end of endgame how that of course of course you know in a sense it did set the scene for the cinematic universe going forward but in its encapsulation it was a very poignant end you know, it didn't really need to set up and motivate characters within its own movie. It just was there as sort of a, a tearful goodbye. And if I can indulge, I don't have Go a ahead. specific example for this, but I feel like even when it's done at its worst, and it is a way to write your main character out of an unwinnable situation at the cost <laughs> of one side character, mm-hmm. it can still feel pretty cool. Of course, of course. Yeah, the noble sacrifice obviously plays up in a lot of more actiony fantasy sort of settings i immediately think of like game of thrones where a lot of characters perish what's interesting about that topic or that uh, series is that not every sacrifice is noble right not every death is truly honorable sometimes it's just meant to send a message sometimes it's very rude and abrupt so uh, how about we step into like what makes a sacrifice noble like in the context of a story or a tale we're trying to tell what has to happen before the sacrifice is made to truly make it something worth honoring or takes on the title noble, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, and in even just saying, you know, it happens in these action-filled fantasy grand things, you can even kind of distill the essence of it into, like, say, a, a high school sitcom where two characters maybe were cheating on a test and one person takes the blame. <laughs> it's not as big and grand, but, it, you mm-hmm. know, the gesture is there. As I suppose if we're going to use noble sacrifice, maybe like cheating on a test shouldn't have been my first example. (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, there's kind of the easy softball answer of it has to be selfless, you know, done for the sake of someone else. Mm-hmm. But I, I think to really have impact, it's not as simple as just everyone's in trouble, but don't worry, old man McGee is going to save the day in mm-hmm. like one last hurrah. If that's your first meeting of old man McGee, you're probably not going to care very much. Exactly. Gonna, it's just going to be this weird note of like, remember when that farmer jumped in front of the alien tank? That was kind of weird, <laughs> but I guess it worked out. So you have to you have to have a character that even if it's kind of clear from the onset, I, I, I was doing a little digging into this on uh, TV tropes and they yep, had another yep. trope I really liked the name of there <laughs> called Too Cool to Live. <laughs> I love that. What? <laughs> right? Where you just perfect. have this perfect sort of idol to look up to that like, well, if they stay in the story, they're going to solve just, everything. They're just going to solve everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So even if you know like that that's going to happen, as long as you make that character compelling. Yeah. And I think it's important that they, how do I word this? It's important that they're important to the person they're sacrificing themselves for. Of course. Naturally. Yeah. I think it's something like the character for for the sacrifice to have weight, for the sacrifice to truly be uh, something that lingers and hangs. You know, the character has to form bonds. You know, they ha- they have to mean something to the rest of the cast. They have to have, have had conversations. They had to have um had these heartfelt moments. They had to kind of have shared experiences, so that when they sacrifice themselves there's a sharp feeling of loss, right? Mm-hmm. That there's all of this information that is gone in the wind, all of these shared moments and uh, loved memories that and can no longer happen, you know? Not, not only is it a loss of a person, a valuable asset, somebody who is capable or, or loving, uh, it's also the loss of future memories, the loss yeah. of what could have been. And that's, I think that's what it was, what I'm looking for here, that the loss of opportunity is truly the most heartbreaking thing. A story that now, I mean, I guess it is resolved, but not the way you wanted it to be. Yeah, exactly. Right. You're never going to find out what their destiny was. Maybe it was this. Who knows? And, you know, there's always, there's always that saying, they say that you never truly die until you're forgotten, right? Um, and how a character's story doesn't end when they perish. Story is very much carried by the people who they affected, right? The way that yeah. they've changed and grown and matured as a result of having to fill the gap that you left, right? I, I'm currently listening to um, Dimension 20, which is a fantastic... Uh, it's, a, it's like a D&D series uh, run by the folks at College Humor. Brilliant team of like improvisers and comedians. I'm watching their series called A Crown of Candy, which is like a humorous, like sensi- uh, uh, funny take on Game of Thrones. Um, where everything okay. is made of candy. It's like it's like Candyland, <laughs> but Game of Thronesified. I'm um, so excited to see where the big, sincere, noble sacrifice comes in in Candyland. Yeah, it's it's so you go into it. Everybody's made of candy, licorice, gum, like gummy bears, all that, and it's adorable. But it quickly becomes a story of political intrigue and backstabbing and like true, like proper death. Like the way they play it is that there's very, very little healing or magical healing. There's no healing potions like there there. It's it's very grim and things are unfair from the get go so that these characters only truly have each other to rely on. So 
um, right from the get-go, all of this weight is kind of stacked on top of each other as these characters interact and they start, you know, layering their relationships and improving how well they know each other and how valuable they are to each other. So that once one of them is ripped away, there's a huge hole left and you can feel what is missing almost immediately. It's um, not specific to just this series, but a lot of shows that handle death really well work to weave the character as much as they can into the story so that when they're pulled away, the impact is like palpable, you know? Well, and you, it kind of segues naturally into a sort of bittersweet opportunity from the, the void left by that character in that we now have the opportunity to meet someone new. Of course. Can bring a new element in that you know, wasn't there before. And, you know, maybe it wouldn't have fit at the beginning of the story, but now that everyone has kind of matured and move along, move, moved, moving, progressed <laughs> moved along, <on. laughs> uh, you know, they, they are able to, they're, they're ready to kind of face this new element. Yeah, exactly. I think it's um, just, it's a very powerful tool. And obviously like it's done badly sometimes, you know, <laughs> not everybody gets it right. Sometimes killing off a character is just like, a gotcha moment it's like ha you didn't think they would die right but when it's done wrong right it, it just feels like a waste of like valuable storytelling you Look, know we're game of thrones too we can kill characters see no one's safe except we're never <sighs> gonna do it again yeah uh the first like the first season of game of thrones first two seasons of game of thrones uh truly had a feeling of nobody was immortal um and that quickly changed you know <laughs> but they they did a very good job making it like it never felt like they were killing characters just for the sake of killing characters. It always made sense narratively when someone had to die. Yeah, and exact and like the gap, the vacuum left in their absence was like something that every character was affected by. It was, um, it was a good time when while well, it lasted. Yeah, um, it's a shame they never made like more than X seasons where X is the season you think it fell off. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly that. Um, so. Uh, noble sacrifices are just a really, really good literary tool when done right. Right there, there truly is just a, a lot of nuance to it. To to kind of further your point, actually, I I feel like the only way in bringing it back to D and D a little, mm -hmm. I feel like the only way to truly invalidate and cheapen it is to undo it. Right, like mm -hmm. I think that's the last thing you really need to make it stick. It has to be permanent. You know, maybe you said it yourself. It happens a lot in fantasy. In a lot of fantasy, you can just cast a spell and they're alive again. Mm -hmm. You you have to... Uh, oh, here's a deep cut. I don't know if you're familiar with... Um, there is a, a Star Trek spinoff show called The Lower Decks. Already Are lost me. Nope. Already lost... Okay, well, spoilers for The Lower Decks, but you know we kind of covered that. Oh, uh, it's fine. I'll never watch <laughs> it. <laughs> At the at the end of season one of it, they they play it straight. It's like the old hardened general, battle hungry dude that like gets to go down in a blaze of glory, saving one of the main characters in like the last escape pod or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And then inexplicably, they they play this for laughs. Inexplicably, like halfway through season two, he's just back on the ship and fine, and like no one is addressing it except the character who got saved, who's losing his <laughs> mind, like he's sacrificed his life for me he's just back on the ship what's happening and like whenever a character tries to like come out and ask him what happened they like play it off as this like how could you even ask that and <laughs> you know the the basically the running joke is that throughout all of the iterations of star trek and i was never a huge hugely into it myself i just for whatever reason this show hooked me but apparently there's any number of like 
space magic or alternate timeline dimensions or clone aliens or whatever reasons oh. that they've undone deaths in Star Trek. And so, like, they they play it off for a big gag. But actually, honestly, even then thinking about it, that character who was saved, like, going forward for the rest of the season two is kind of scarred by this realization that death has no real purchase. Dang. That's so interesting. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, very. Uh, I do talk a lot about D&D in this podcast. I try not to dwell too long on it because it's one of the few things I know. Um, but yeah, there is a certain point where death becomes a minor inconvenience, right? When your magic becomes high, uh, uh, reaches a high enough point or you become a powerful enough cleric, um, death is clearly, clearly temporary. And like you look at something like Dragon Ball Z, where everybody just comes back to life once or sometimes twice, depending on where do you get the Dragon Balls. Um, series that really take that leap to kill off a character, truly like disappear them. It's a risk, right? Because you're you're risk losing a little bit of your fan base or, or people who read it or watch it. Um, and you got to make sure it matters. You know, you got to make sure that the show is or, or the book is better off as grim as it sounds better off with them gone with the, so yeah. the room that so the room they leave behind improves the cast as a whole right mm-hmm. if if every character in your narrative suffers but the narrative itself flourishes as a result then it's you've done a great job with this yeah. particular trope yeah i think it's a it is a kind of an art form i, w- I want to believe that it's uh rather difficult to pull off yeah what a great topic loved that thank that is you, awesome thank you just another reason why I'm a very special guest. Yes, very special. Thank you. Uh, of course, naturally. One of these, you know, well, I was going to bring it up later before, but one of these days I would love to do a TriCast with, uh, with a guest that comes up. The problem is that me and Marilee live six hours apart by time zone. Mm. So you know, people who listen to this already know that we record like 6 a.m. EST, like in the morning uh, in the States and then noon... Uh, noon for her so our time our time for us inviting people is very very slim if we were ever to do it uh it's a hard sell i think it's a hard sell (laughs) to to peek behind the veil a little bit here when we were coordinating our times and you had said like well in theory we can do it in the morning it's just like i gotta leave for work at this time and i'm like oh that time doesn't look so bad and then i had to start doing math like oh wait no you're est i'm cst so it's actually an hour it's it's even earlier for you and and then we'd probably have to start recording the get slot out like two hours just in case. So like that's two hours mm-hmm. earlier. And it's not like I can just get up and do it. I'm gonna have to be going for at least an hour before Oh Oh, we've reached just don't even bother sleeping o'clock, I see. <laughs> that's that's why I suggested like honestly, whenever you're awake, I'm probably game. Recording way early in the morning has really conditioned me to just be ready anytime to just mm-hmm. turn on the mic and go. Uh, yeah, um, we are rapidly approaching um, uh, the hour mark, which we try not to do, you know, because we don't want to keep you here, you guys here for too long. Yeah. Um, so why don't we jump into the prompt? Uh, so this was kind of customized for uh, our first topic. Uh, so what we what I want to do is uh, I'm going to pull up the the race and class tables of D&D 5th edition. Oh, uh, I'm going to randomly roll to see what comes up between race class and background and both of us are going to try to put together the most compelling character we can in like five minutes i hope so dearly we get human fighter (laughs) it's not gonna the odds of human fighter are pretty low i'm gonna stick to pretty basic uh ancestries so we don't entirely lose our audience as we do this that's Uh, that's fair 
I, I will say while you're pulling things up, I'm so mm -hmm. glad that this is what's happening here because I had mentioned to you I had kind of two ideas for my half. This this was one of the ideas I had. Okay, awesome. So I'm going to let me open it up right now. Okay, so I've got everything pulled up. Uh, I'm gonna ask for a number from one to nine. Oh well, I mean, and there's and there's no way you're gonna guess human amongst these nine choices oh, like, I, I'm, the I'm sure i'm sure if i truly wanted to i could pull up my own books and oh, have but, the same but that's assuming i'm doing this alphabetically mm. that's that's fair that's fair what i'm trying desperately to do right now is to find some dice to really keep it in theme you would think i would just have some at the ready yeah but do you have a nine-sided die is that a real well, thing just like a ten-sided die and reroll if it's ten right that's fair I'm a D and D player. I got dice. Just gotta find them. Yeah, it's been a while since I had to even, roll real ones. Even though we've only ever played together online and never in person. All right, ten sided die. Do your do your worst. We got an eight. Okay, the character is a gnome. Okay, I love good, it already. Good start. Good start. Okay, one to twelve. I wonder which dice I'll use for this one. Ooh, we got a one. <laughs> we got a barbarian. I'm already infatuated. Okay, uh, and give me one to twenty. I'd roll me a D twenty. Okay classic you got a nine okay let me see one two three four five six seven eight entertainer okay so <laughs> the, character, the character that we're gonna spend five minutes building and we're gonna keep it real tight we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up real quick they are a gnome barbarian entertainer all right yeah you throw on the first detail and i'll pile on okay well surely they're a gladiator right like <laughs> <laughs> Don't write, just, just for sure surely they're a gladiator whose whole gimmick is like come one come all face the tiny menace right sure okay uh they're a gnome they're so small how did they even get into this business maybe they tried so hard to be a wizard and they just couldn't <laughs> they just didn't for they just didn't have it in them and uh so like they were always teased by by all the other people in the mm -hmm. in the village for being like a little scrawny gnome like little nerd but then the other gnomes bullied them for the same for like the opposite reason of like you're not even smart you're like a how are you a dumb gnome <laughs> i want to believe that um this gnome is like right in the middle he's like a little bit taller than all gnomes but shorter than everybody else of course mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah that's perfect um so uh, i'm also imagining that his family in his family they're all like talented mighty wizards you know this is something oh, that yeah. he's expected to do but when along one of these days Boy, that axe lodged into a lodged into a stump looks really interesting. Mm -hmm. um, and he just, you know, took a couple practice swings. You know, nobody's going to know, right? Um, yeah, yeah. He's swinging it around, dancing around with it. He's like, wait a second. I'm kind of good at this. I'm kind of great at this. Maybe every time he failed at a magic lesson, he was subjected to the worst punishment gnomes know, which is chores. like Manual labor. labor. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's got to chop. He's got to chop some wood for the fireplace every time he messes up on a spell, and he just got really good at it. Um, people, wait. So like, towards, it's like towards the end of his arc, it's just like you know. All right, we need you to cast this firebolt, uh, ice blast. Are you even trying? No. Can I chop wood? No. And and now at this point in his career, it's actually like a personal choice. He can use magic. He knows magic. It's just like he chooses not to because there's something he enjoys much much more. Um, so he just does whatever spell, walks outside, doom, doom, doom. I'm thinking of that one scene with like Captain America where he's ripping apart logs with his bare hands. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, just put it against his chest and tear it, you know? <laughs> yeah. The the years of adversity have led to like something truly unique. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Okay. And because it's a D&D gnome, we can even have the gag of like, you know, oh, wow, you must have had a really hard childhood. And he's like, huh, I'm 300. 
<laughs> yeah, he's just ancient. He's just straight up. Okay, so like we got we have this um guy doesn't like magic, starts cutting wood, gets really buff. How does he end up as an entertainer? I, where did where does that go? Well, I, I feel like the entertainer he could just be a gladiator, right? Oh, he just straight up chooses to like voluntarily. Yeah, maybe eventually <laughs> the village, the the little gnome hamlet, gets sick of him continuing to not do magic, and you know he starts dunking on them in basketball or whatever because he's strong he's, now. He's he's actively ruining the forests because of yeah. all the wood he cuts. <laughs> <laughs> so he gets exiled. He he chops too close to elf territory, and they have to like politically exile him. <laughs> save ties so he's striking it on his own in like the big human city you know we see the deal where he bumps shoulders with some thugs or whatever they pick a fight he wins handily and we see like the sketchy promoter with the gold teeth in the alley Mm -hmm. like now there's a talent uh yeah i got the deal of a lifetime just walk over here sign a couple of papers you know this isn't a big deal like you got a show to put on it go and earn your little bit of coin right you need coin um the guy's like i just kind of want to cut things (laughs) but i see to, to tie the whole podcast together in a neat bow, because what I'm stuck on is how does this guy end up in an adventuring party? Because it oh sure kind of seems like once he's the gladiator, he's all set, right? Of course. Maybe he maybe he's the the sort of established already as strong as the party character that shows up to replace the heroic sacrifice. Oh shoot, yeah. They um he's doing one of his shows. He's performing. He's living life, and he's approached by like this you know battered and torn party. And they're like, hey, um, you don't know us, but we really need help right now. Like there's some there's something right outside in the forest. Um, turns out, turns out, tur- no, 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 let me get this. Turns out there's a monster that's really pissed that a lot of the forest has been cut down and he's taking it out on people on the road. Um, would you help us like take care of that? I I was going the other way. I was like, there's like a 40 foot troll tree demon that we need help slaying. <laughs> he could I'm be that too. Yeah, of course. Yeah, the, the local tree demon um, has just gotten really pissed and we need someone to help out with that. We don't know who cut down all these trees, but that man will pay. In the meanwhile, could you help us? <laughs> oh, uh, beautiful. Okay, wait, wait. wait. Uh, to, so to tie this all up, um, beautiful gnome barbarian um, by choice. A uh, hunter by request. What is this guy's name? We need a name. Oh. So drive it all home. Okay. All right. You've you've looked me straight in the eye and said, "Do one of the two hard parts, which is name and art." <laughs> <laughs> you gotta overcome the brain's natural urge to just say Bilbo, because <laughs> it can't be Bilbo. It can't be Bilbo. He's a softy. It can be Trilgo though. <laughs> Trilgo. Okay, sure. Uh, we're gonna wrap up this special episode of the podcast <laughs> with Trilgo, the gnome barbarian, uh, gladiator entertainer. Uh, beautiful job. Uh, just a little smidgen of what your character building could look like. <laughs> exactly. It could look just like this. Oh, and sorry, just we forgot an important step. He dips the levels into fighters, so he can naturally teams as well. Yeah. So you can get those uh, beautiful, beautiful champion buffs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, thanks so much, Josh, for, for joining us on this episode. For anyone listening, uh, we'll be back with uh, our other wonderful co-host up to start up season two. Anything you want to shout out? Any final things you want to plug before we close out? Uh, you know, just I like I said, I stream on Twitch. It's uh, twitch.tv slash moonroster with one O. Literally everyone gets it wrong. It's okay. <laughs> Uh, we do crosswords and then video games. It's good awesome. Time. Yeah. Sounds like a blast. I'll put the description. I'll put that link in the description of this episode. 
but yeah, until then, I hope listening to this, as it always does, inspires you to explore storytelling, world building, and everything in between. But as you do, always remember, your rivers are wrong. Yeah, wrong shade of blue. <laughs> a lot of people, a lot of people make that mistake. <laughs> rivers aren't blue, or they shouldn't be. That's not natural. Anyway, have a great time. Uh, have a great time. Have a great day. Um, see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Your Rivers Are Wrong. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future episodes that you'd like to hear us cover, feel free to contact us at yourriversarewrong at gmail.com. Our intro and outro music is written by Maarten Schellekens. Thanks for that. And again, thank you so much for listening. We hope to see you at the next one.